your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What is going on, Small Business Nation? You may notice that I'm not Andrew Brockenbush. I'm John Fritching, the standard co-host on this show. Andrew had a couple things he had to take care of today, but I feel confident me and Jude are going to have a great conversation here. And by the way, our guest is Jude Charles, and I am excited to get into this conversation. I nerd out on video and storytelling, and so I am really excited to get into that with him today. But like we do every time, before we get into any of that, we got to start it off with an icebreaker question. Let's kick it! Ice, icebreaker. And today's question is, what book or story did you read as a kid that you think left the biggest impression on your adult life? So I don't think you're expecting this answer, John, but... All right. The book that I read was uh, it was the biography of Jackie Rob Jackie Robinson. Yeah, Jackie yeah, Robinson, yeah, yeah. who was the first African American uh, baseball player to play professionally, at least. And that left an impact on me because as an eight year old kid, I used to write one hundred page books, and so okay. there's a book that I wrote called "The Baseball Life of Jude Charles" because I would, <laughs> when I was writing these books, I would imagine what my future life would look like. Mm-hmm. And because of that Jackie Robinson story, I wrote a book called The Baseball Life of Jude Charles. I wrote other books called like uh, From Boyhood to Manhood, which was about, again, me growing up right. with my friends specifically, which some of these friends I still have to this day. But like, that's awesome. But that was a book that impacted me. It was uh, just imagining what it could be like, especially mm-hmm. as an African-American man who right. may not have all the same opportunities as everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a book that impacted me and just understanding like what it was really like at eight years old. Like what would, yeah. for me to even be thinking about that, uh, it, it just was really impactful. So yeah, that's definitely a profound answer for, from an eight year old, you know, <laughs> uh, but I, I could see that Jackie, he was, he did so much for the, the community, you know, to, mm-hmm. to be the first black player out there and really kind of yep. bridge some of those gaps that were huge. Uh, what he did in his time was way bigger than even what it would be perceived today. And you know that. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was just an think- amazing ball player in and of itself, too. He was just a great all-around person. And I, I'm a baseball guy. Yesterday was opening day, so you're speaking yeah. my language right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a baseball guy, too. And it's yeah, it's exciting that baseball is back and uh, that we get to mm-hmm. watch baseball again. But yeah, that's definitely, I think for me, it was like, what I love about reading, and I still read to this day, what I love about reading is it opens your mind up to a whole new world. And for me, that was the first time I ever opened my mind up to, I mean, I had played baseball, but it was baseball in the streets with my friends. And then to right. think about like this league that I was watching didn't even have black mm-hmm. players at one point. So right, it no. just opened my mind to so much at that time. But yeah. Right. Of what is possible. That's cool. Right. I- I love that. It's you're right. I did not expect that as your answer for that because I'm thinking as a kid, uh, you're gonna laugh at my book, but it's fine. So mine is I love Shel Silverstein. Like I okay. love Shel Silverstein, and so mine is The Giving Tree is my favorite book that oh, I think okay. had the most impact on me because just the way the tree it loved the boy and gave him anything he needed, and that's your parents, you know, essentially right. in life or people that love you unconditionally. And so that always stuck with me about that is what life is about. It's about giving. And so the giving tree kind of, it's always been a a book that stuck with me. And it's, I don't think it's as cool as Jackie Robinson. I wish I would have written my own baseball (laughs) story. No, it's still a great book though. It's still a great book. (laughs) It's awesome. Always, you got to be careful with these icebreakers. Sometimes uh, you guess, you guess will blow us out of the water with the answer, you know? (laughs) Well, Awesome. I am so glad to have Jude on the show today. I'm going to read a quick bio off here. For over 17 years, Jude Charles has been producing documentaries for entrepreneurs. He has produced stories for Google, Steve Harvey, and dozens of visionary CEOs. Jude is the author of Dramatic Demonstration, the book, 
is a roadmap that teaches you how to dig deep and find compelling stories that no one else knows and then leverage those stories to grow your business something that we're definitely passionate about here on Business Growth Hacks. Jude's mission is to lead, empower, oh, hold on. Jude's mission is to lead and empower entrepreneurs to have relentless, unwavering courage. And that is something that I think we definitely need. Always we've always needed it, but especially now with the increasing traffic and so many voices to hear from, if you're not if you don't have a bold statement to say, it may not be heard in today's media. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, to me, like, there's so much noise, so much ideas that you almost don't know what to pay attention to, what to um, believe in. And so, yeah, that's why for me, it's like, it takes courage. It takes courage to believe in what you believe on, believe in, and to continue to talk about it, to share it. It takes courage to tell your story. Some people are afraid oh, to tell their story because they're afraid of how people will respond to it, right? Mm-hmm. But what are they going to think of, of me? Right, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And, and one of the main things with like telling your story is being vulnerable. And so, as, as human beings, and especially with what we're seeing with like cancel culture and all these different things, we're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to really say what we think. And um, so, yeah, it's it's more than ever. It's it requires courage to be in business, to be an entrepreneur. I always mm-hmm. say you got to be crazy to be an entrepreneur, right? Because it's <laughs> I think so. a lot of ups right. and downs, a lot of risks, but, mm-hmm. uh, but in this day and age it's required and it is, uh, it is necessary. And I've, I've built my business the last 17 years, like you read in the bio and uh, part mm-hmm. of that, a big part of that has been courage. Absolutely. I, I don't think you make it without courage because it's going to get hard out there, especially as an entrepreneur. You're the one yep. running the show. And yeah. in some ways, yeah, that's great. But in some ways, you're the one running the show. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to do it. You have to pull through. And that's something we always talk about here on Business Growth Hacks. So I'm glad you brought that up, that it does take courage just to be an entrepreneur and, you know, telling your story. And so you started 17 years ago. So did you start shooting video in 4.3? Say that one more time. Did I start shooting video where? In <laughs> um, 4.3 instead of 16.9? Were you shooting in the I did, actually. So I filmed my first video on a Sony P... I think it was a PD-150 is what it was called. With the high tapes? Sh- no, it was actually a, a mini DV tape. Okay, okay, I, okay. I filmed with high eight tapes too, but the first camera I ever played with was was that Sony PD one fifty. I got you, I got you. Um, but it was a mini DV tape, and yeah, it was four three. I don't think we did sixteen by nine back then, but it was four three. It was that was a yeah. Hollywood thing when I first got into video. That's kind of why I asked because I'm a little bit of a video nerd myself. I've been doing it since yeah. two thousand four, two thousand two, something like that. So yeah, yeah I think it's I, about that, the same time I started. Two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that is honestly when it's kind of when the internet came into the high speed availability for most people at that point. Mm-hmm. Up until yep. then, there was high speed, but you know it was only on a college campus or here or there. And I think that really pushed that transition into why, because there's a lot of people, and I guess we're around the same age that kind of got into video or marketing or entrepreneurship, which is getting into marketing, you know? So uh, I see here in your bio, you know, you worked with some pretty notable characters, Google, Steve Harvey, dozens of other visionary CEOs. I love Steve Harvey. I love anything that he does is just great to me. What was it like? Did you get to work directly with them in those projects? And what was that like working on that project? Yeah. So the very first project we worked on was uh, he had written a book called uh, Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success. And okay, I had a client who had co-wrote the book with him. He was the ghostwriter. Um, and gotcha. Steve Harvey was going on tour to promote the book. And I happened, because of this other client, he nominated me and recommended that I film the behind the scenes of this. Steve Harvey gotcha. is the same on camera as he is off camera. Um, I was hoping you would time. say that. I, I'm <laughs> glad you said that. I was really hoping that was true because you know the whole adage, "Don't meet your heroes." <laughs> I'm glad you said no, that. No, he I'm is he is extremely funny. Um, and I didn't necessarily get to meet him the very first time I filmed with him, but over time I got to meet with him and sit with him. But the very right. first time I filmed with him, uh, he didn't know who I was. And then I think the second time we filmed at the United Nations, this was 
he was uh, filming in New York, United Nations, hosting an event. And I forget what the event was, but he was hosting it very first time. And it was an exciting moment for him. But as we were getting on the mm-hmm. elevator, I'm filming behind the scenes of him getting out the car, getting like walking through security, getting to the elevator. And this is my first interaction with him, real interaction. Okay. He, he looks at me in the elevator. And he's like, you know, I'm sitting here wondering, who's this black guy filming me? He's like, <laughs> it's not normal that I have a black guy following me around filming me. And so we made a joke out of it. But it was my first, mm-hmm. that was literally my first introduction to him. And I think for right. him, too, he was just trying to uh, make me feel comfortable and relaxed. He's a, yeah, you know, he's a, a figure that is larger than life, right? And so there is a level of uh, nervousness that comes with that and just making sure you're capturing the right things. But I think by that point, he's trying to make me feel mm-hmm. comfortable. And so, yeah, he's, he's the same on and off camera, just as funny and hilarious, um, yeah. off the cuff. And that's really why he's become successful is he's gotten really yeah. good at just being off the cuff and great human being. I think you're right. The authenticity there is what makes him such a relatable celebrity and someone that people look up to, including myself. And he's just funny. He's hilarious. (laughs) That helps. (laughs) Humor will help deliver any message that you need to deliver. And so talking about that a little bit, I think that kind of transitioned us into storytelling in general and, and being authentic and being yourself. So what do you think makes a good story? That's a great question. So I want to backtrack to what is a story? A story is a retelling of a very specific moment in time. That's all it is, right? Mm. Storytelling has become a buzzword over time where, you know, there's these multiple steps to storytelling or here's this story structure to follow. But if you remember that a story is about a very specific moment in time, just like I told Mm -hmm. you about the moment in time I'm in the elevator with Steve Harvey, that's all our story really is. Now, what makes it good, though, is whether or not there's conflict, right? There is Ooh. a up and down moment. Um, mm-hmm. Whether or not there's rhythm and pace. Most people don't think yeah. about that, right? Like as you're telling the story, whether or not there's there's this uh, slowing it down sometimes to get the person right. to lean in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the last thing I'll say is what makes a story good is uh, a beginning, middle, and end. Now the end... Is probably the most important piece. You're going to tell me about this moment in time, but what is the lesson you learn from that moment in time? Right. Right. So like I told this story, it's a very simple story with the story with Steve Harvey and being in the elevator and we haven't really met, but this is our first time. But then I tell you the lesson that he's still, he's the same guy on and off camera. And what you took away from that is the authenticity. That's what makes someone mm-hmm. success, successful over time is that authenticity. So those three things, conflict, um, the slowing down of a story, but also the beginning, middle, and end, and that end. Mm-hmm. What is the lesson that you learn from the story that really yeah. makes the story good? I think it's I think it's good that you said that slowing down sometimes to pull someone into your story because that is very important. And I also think it's something that gets overlooked, especially from the small business owner that's, you know, pushing their own marketing efforts and they're creating their own content. And so they may overlook certain things in their own lives or maybe think it's not very interesting or not a very good story, but you know, you're trying to leave them with that lesson and that impression, really. Like you were just saying, you got to, the ending is the most important part of that story because you got to leave that, you know, lasting impression. And so when when you're creating content and, you know, you're going through your business and your day to day, let's say like, like today, I've got to do, I, I get to have this awesome conversation with you right now. And this would be awesome to film. This would be entertaining. This is a good story to tell. But when yeah. I get done with this and I go start typing up some emails and then, you know, throw this into the logic and start editing it a little bit and then start creating show notes and going through all that process. To me, it doesn't feel like it's that entertaining. It's kind of <laughs> mundane. How, how yeah. do you as a business owner take the mundane moments of your life and make them seem more interesting or just pull out the interesting parts? We take for granted the small moments that happen in our life that make life interesting. Ooh. So, yes, you have to you're rec- producing this podcast and you're going to go and make show notes and, and do all these other things. But what happens when you're not working? What happens that influences the way you work. 
So Ooh. I happen to talk about rhythm and pacing. Mm-hmm. And the reason I talk about that is because when I was really young, I took an orchestra class and That's I awesome. learned about music and I learned about the rhythm and the pacing of music and how it makes you feel. Mm. I like so the same way that when I come on a podcast and I get to tell you stories or I get to tell you about the work that I do, I'm doing the same thing. If you noticed in the way that I said how it makes you feel, I paused Mm -hmm. so that you could take that in. Right. Yep. To me, that's what makes the mundane interesting. Uh, I talk about there's a if you look on my Instagram after listening to this podcast, there's a story about going to the grocery store and this accident happens. And if you look at the picture, the picture is of a Tesla car, a white Tesla car on top of another car. (laughs) Now, I run a video production company. This accident may not seem like it's important, but I tell the story of how this accident happened and what happened. So I'm going to the grocery store. I hear this loud bang to my left. And that's just the image that you see in, on Instagram is the image that I see as soon as I look to my left. So I run over and there, there's the woman that's still in the white Tesla and I'm trying to make sure she's okay. But there's two other guys who's standing there and mm-hmm. I'm asking them, hey, has anyone called 911? No one responds because they're, they're flabbergasted. They're like, what just happened? So I right. end up calling 911. What I didn't know though, this lady's on top of one car, but there's another car she's kind of leaning on. That car she's leaning on There's three people trapped in that car. Oh, wow. So how I wrap up the lesson to the story is that in 2020, so this accident happened in 2021. In 2020, I burnt out from video production. And Mm. part of that is I felt worthless because I couldn't work the same way I used to work. And I felt like I had lost value, right? But here's this moment in time that reminds me that The value isn't in what I do, it's in who I am. Absolutely. Again, what does that mean to, how do we take the mundane things in our life, like editing or Mm -hmm. video production or holding a camera? When I show up to a production, who I am is more important than the thing that I'm doing. And the who I am is what influences what I create, right? And so that's the way to me is like, I've used music because music has influenced my life a lot. And so I talk about Mm -hmm. that. I've used my burnout, my vulnerability, the thing, how I felt in this one moment in time to bring you into this thing that we're doing together, whether it be video production or storytelling or whatever it is. But that's how you make the mundane exciting is that you take, yes, there is this one moment that you feel is boring, but what influences Mm -hmm. that? What makes you, you that other people will find interesting even if you discount that it's actually interesting. I'll tell you one more story to bring it home. Uh, When I started this video production company at 17 years old, I was in a TV production classroom. And I'll never forget, May 4th, 2006, Mrs. Donnelly, the TV production teacher, said to me, Jude, you're really talented at video production. You should start a business. I was like, okay, what does that look like? I'm 17. What does that mean? Yeah. Right? How do how do you my, make money doing video? I just really like doing this. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. And I had no entrepreneurs in my family. My dad worked uh as a construction worker, my mom worked at a chair factory. So blue collar workers. Mm-hmm. I'm the youngest of 10 children too, but oh wow. None of the siblings before me, although the the oldest at the time was probably 26, 27, no one was entrepreneurs. Mhm. But the following day, May 5th, 2006, Mrs. Donnelly walked into the classroom handed me a yellow envelope. I'm like, what's this? And she's like, look inside. And inside of the yellow envelope, John, was my first Mm -hmm. set of business cards. Now, I still have that to this day, and I talk about that. That's that's awesome. (laughs) I wish I had my first business card. That story, John, I used to not Mm -hmm. share it in the beginning because I discounted. I'm like, oh, a teacher gave me business cards. What, What big deal is that? But the very first time I told someone, I watched them lean in. Mm-hmm. And then I, I heard them ask more questions. Or like you said, I wish I had, still had my very first yeah, business Yeah, I wish cards, I right? had that. I wish I had that <laughs> story, right? Yeah. So when we, the point of me sharing that story with you is sometimes we'll discount the stories that actually make us interesting. It's not exactly talking about the exact moment that you're having to edit this. Yeah, that might be a little boring. Mm-hmm. 
But what's led you to this podcast? What's made what you're doing more productive or more efficient or the people that you're impacting important? That's what right. that's how we make the mundane things exciting. Yeah, I I'm glad you said that too. I think it's also important for all content creators to remember don't be so critical on yourself and the things that you experience every day is extraordinary for someone else that doesn't experience that at all. So yeah, you got to tell your stories, tell your stories. It's worth telling your story. People want to hear your stories. And as a business owner using that for marketing content, it's going to give you rapport with your people. If you know who you're trying to market to, if you're trying to market to yourself, be yourself, you know, tell who you are. And I I love that. That's kind of what you're saying there, because I never know what to expect coming into a podcast. Sometimes (laughs) I'm blindsided and like, wow, that's the exact opposite of what I thought. That's cool. We can still have a great discussion here. But wow, you're on a whole different level of thinking than me right now. And we're not. But not that we're combating each other. It's just different. And I think those differences are what make us great. Being able to interview people like you and hear other stories and other podcasters and other podcasts and getting to interview people, it's taking all of this stuff in that makes me who I am, like you're saying. And we need to not be ashamed or afraid to just say who we are. I think there's a lot of, especially with the video production side of things, you know, we want this polished looking good. And yes, we want to look good. We don't want to look, you know, like we just got out of rolled out of bed on camera. (laughs) Some days it might, but you know, we don't want that. But there's a difference between taking care of yourself, just being presentable and, and being afraid to show anything behind the curtain. You know, yeah, and so I think it's awesome that you're saying, you know, don't be afraid to show those moments that they are what made you who you are. It is what it is. You are who you are. I think yeah. that's great. It's what defines you. I think the other thing is uh, we hear like I've heard this for a very long time. Uh, give value or build a relationship. Yes. Giving value though is not the tips and tricks. The value mm-hmm. is you. Mm-hmm. That is the value. It is. Even if you're working with a big team, it is the team, the people that come together that build the culture of this company that makes your company valuable, not the thing that you do. Right. And so to me, like what what brings that value out will help someone else understand or build a connection. To me, a connection is kind of like a a three strand cord. When you tell your story, that three strand cord, it's not easily broken. Because the story is the one thing no one else can duplicate, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why I always look at it as there's going to be moments of vulnerability and sharing maybe what the moment in time that was a weakness. But there's also yeah. a strength in that moment in time too. Absolutely. Because of the lesson that you learned and how you grow from it. And now because of that, I want to partner with you. I want to, right? maybe I'm inspired and now the, the thing that you have, the thing, the lesson that you learned, I may want, but don't know how to get it. So let's part on this project together to get it, right? Like, right. there's all these things that, we, yes, we want to be polished. We want to be competent. We want to show people we know what we're yes. doing. Yes, right. But that's a given. Like, you should know mm-hmm. what you're doing. What's yeah. not a given is whether or not our core values align. What's not a given yeah. is whether or not you're someone I'm just going to enjoy working with. How do I know right. that? I know that through your story, through the moments in time, the experiences that you've had, that you decide Mm -hmm. to share with me. And that's what builds that three strand cord. Absolutely. I think that's great. That's good. Good stuff right there, man. Like, (laughs) I I know the people that listen to this show, they're business owners and they're just looking for the best tips and tricks. And I think it's great that you're, you're saying that even though that's what this podcast is about, I'm totally okay with you saying that that's not what you're looking for. It's you, your yourself is who you really, if you think about it, there's so much media that we're getting here and there. And especially with these things like AI coming out and starting to be players and writing scripts and all that, you're going to have some duplicated content. And what's going to make you original is you. You are the only version of you. Yep. I'm a fan of AI. I'm a fan of where it's going. It's going to, even as we're recording this, three or four Mm -hmm. months from now, it's going to completely change and develop. 100%. The one thing that I think people aren't understanding about AI is it still requires a human element to it, though. It'll make your work faster, for sure, no doubt. It'll improve 
Like I, I saw uh, what Bill Gates wrote recently about like how we could improve healthcare or save lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But part of that saving a life or improving healthcare still requires another human being, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you bring yourself to your work, that is what makes it important and impactful. Like I said, the one thing that no one can duplicate, the one thing that no one can replace is your story. Because you are the person who's gone through this experience, mm-hmm. um, have learned through this experience, have grown through this experience, and now can lead others in what they're doing and through their life, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of AI. I think it's important. I think it's, oh, yeah. it is going to be the next revolutionary thing. Um, it already is. Yeah, it is. But, it, you know, the importance is, the, the most important part to all of that is the human element to it. Mm-hmm. The input still matters. The person typing out the prompt or right. putting in their information into the computer still matters. And and again, that's why it's important to share who you are. The value is who you are. The value is right. you. Like if you hear nothing yeah. else from this podcast, that is the growth hack. Yeah, that is the we're going to have to bring hack. that back at the end. That's your hack for the day. You are the most unique thing about your business. And I think right. that's definitely the hack for the day. But we'll yep. give it to that. Um, you talked about the orchestra and learning music and all that and kindred spirits. I'm a musician myself and <laughs> play a couple different <laughs> instruments, started in percussion and then kind of just delved out from there. Um, what role do you think we talk about? We'll move into talking a little more specifics about creating the video stories. And so mm-hmm. some of the elements that you use to create video, one really big element of video that people don't realize is audio. And yep. so, do you use music to help tell your stories and how do you do that if so? Yeah, so I use I definitely use music. I use music as the scenes are developing. So you already mentioned in the beginning, I create documentaries. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll create documentary series. So that means three different parts to right. this story that I'm telling. Um, but within that, let's just take a three-part series. If, we're, if I'm producing a three-part series, I might use 15 different music tracks throughout the three-part right. series. But each of those tracks are creating different emotions as you're watching it. So like one track might be really exciting, fast paced, and it's showing mm-hmm. the fun that's happening in the moment. But another one might be really slow, dramatic, because mm-hmm. I am showing this emotional moment that's happening in the scene. Right. Um, again, I learned that through orchestra, but I also was in band. So I played the cello mm-hmm. in orchestra. Oh, awesome. And then in band, I played uh, the uh, French horn. And there was another instrument I played that I well, I played a little bit of the piano too, but mm-hmm. again, all those things like so let's take the French horn, for example. The French horn, depending on how you blow into the French horn, you can make it louder or softer. You could mm-hmm. slow down, right? Um, same thing with the cello. It's it's a string instrument, so you're using um, the the now I forget the name of it, but the the piece that goes along the string um, the to bow? make it louder. Say it again. The bow. The bow, yeah. You're using the bow to make it louder or stronger, right? Or you can go really fast. So that's how I use music is that I'm really thinking, okay, what is happening in this moment and how do I influence the viewer and how they're going to feel as they watch this moment? Mm-hmm. Because a big part of storytelling, like I already mentioned, it's about fast pace and slow pace and, and rhythm. But I also want to take you on a little bit of a roller coaster. I want you to feel really good in a moment, but then right. be brought into this other valley, right? Mm-hmm. Like where it's it's really dark or something is really emotional happening. Um, it doesn't always have to be dark, but that's how I use music. I use mu- music mm-hmm. to influence um, what's happening in the moment. One of my favorite shows yeah. is Chicago PD. I've been rewatching okay. it since the very beginning, like because of, you know, they have it uh, streaming now. I've been watching right, it since right. the beginning. And one thing I've noticed with Chicago PD that makes it really good is that the music, they make it extremely dramatic that draws you mm-hmm. in, it sucks you in in order for you to be sucked into the story too. And I think right. that's how, for me, that's how I always think about music. It's, it's, a, it's been a big factor into how I tell stories mm-hmm. and paying attention to, now how I tell stories visually, but also paying attention to how I tell stories even on podcasts. Right. Because you're, you're, you're right. Your rhythm, your pacing and all that I could say the same thing to you, but it could per- be perceived many different ways depending on how I deliver that. You know, if yeah. I were to tell you, here's a bottle of water, you want it? You might, right. yes or no. If you were thirsty, you're going to take it. 
you know? Yeah. But if I was like, man, this is the most delicious bottle of water I've ever had my entire life. You've got to try it. That is a whole different perception. And even what I'm saying, the way I'm saying it, like this is a delicious bottle of water. It is the best bottle of water I've ever had in my life. You're not going to believe that unless I'm, uh, what's that guy from the clear eyes commercial back, you know what I'm talking (laughs) about? Ben Stein. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Unless you're yeah. him, no one's going to care to listen to you speak that way. And he's an anomaly. I love that you're talking about all these different elements of storytelling. And, and one thing that you just mentioned is you got to pull your viewer in. And when you're talking about creating content and videos specifically for marketing, if you're not pulling people in, you're not creating content that's converting. So using the music is one way to do that. What kind of visuals do you like to go for? I like to call them eye candy, those beautiful B-roll shots. But (laughs) what kind of visuals do you like to use? So I'm a little different. Uh, I actually don't. So I started this when I started this company 17 years ago. I was definitely the only camera guy. I have other camera guys now. But my style was more about the angles rather than mm-hmm. just the b-roll i don't think i've always been great at b-roll that's part of the reason why i have a team but yeah. i think so like what i mean by angles or like even I, there's a book i read i can't remember the name of it now but it might have been like the four c's of cinematography i was really big on cinematography and how the way you film a moment could create an emotion so one of my favorite things that i look for in movies or tv shows is like if there's two conflicting characters so, like, let's just say I'm the antagonist, you're the protag- protagonist, right? If they're not seeing eye to eye, what the cinematographer will do is create a line of separation. And sometimes you don't really notice it. It might be a lamp that creates the line of separation, or it might be mm-hmm. a wall. Uh, if you haven't watched um, Creed, there's a scene in Creed, Creed 3 specifically, where one of the boxers is getting ready and then there's the other boxer who's no longer a boxer the main character creed he's no longer a boxer he's retired but this other guy is getting ready and he walks out of the the locker room and the cinematographer shows this scene where there's this wall that separates them right to me that's what i look for is like how can i use objects Mm -hmm. to create the emotion how can i use the framing to create the emotion if I really want you to feel intimate with this entrepreneur that I'm filming, I'll probably get really close and shoot mm-hmm. it and film it on a 50 millimeter that that brings you really right. close into that person's face. Versus if I really want you to enjoy the moment and the excitement that's happening, I might shoot it on 24 millimeter. So I think mm-hmm. that's how I've looked at like the cinematography and how what I'm filming makes you feel like you're there and experiencing the same thing that I'm experiencing in that moment. Yes. Yes. I think that's interesting that, that you bring that up. The the visuals, everything that we see, it plays off of our memory and things that we have seen. And so something that you mentioned in there that I don't even know that most people realize, uh, I'll go into it because we're video guys. We can nerd out a little bit here. The <laughs> yeah. 50 millimeter lens is the same as your eye. And yeah. so when you're using that lens, you're going to get very close to what we actually see. When you start to go to the 24 or, you know, a 70 or something like that, that can actually begin to distort the face and even change the perception of what you're looking at. And then yep. you can get into Hollywood where we have anamorphic lenses that do all kinds of different stuff, which that's the make you look skinnier lens. If you were wondering, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know that you really need to know that as a content creator. I just kind of wanted to know that about lenses there. But, no, but what as I'm a content saying creator. Is, as a content creator, really quick, like you have an iPhone, right? Let's just hypothetically, each person has a right. phone or a camera in their pocket today. Mm-hmm. Um, even the three cameras that are on the back do three different things. You're but right. as a content creator, depending on what you, the moment that you want to create, you might want to get really close with your camera versus filming it from far away. Right. Or um, you might want to shoot from a high angle versus shooting it from directly face to face or lower angle. So yeah. those those are things to think about. Um, even if you don't geek out on lenses or getting all mm-hmm. these extra accessories, think about where where you stand or how you're showing the framing mm-hmm. of this moment because that creates an emotion too. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I think, 
Uh, do you mind going over a couple just, you know, basic framing standards, rule of thirds, something like that, just kind of yeah, so, give our audience a baseline? Yeah, yeah. So there's a rule of thirds, which is the way that you film this moment. So like if you're looking at us, you're watching the video of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I am in the what's called the first and second third of the screen. Um, you break the screen down into three different uh, blocks, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And what you want to do is it, it looks good when you're in the proper framing, which this is hard to describe if you're not a geek on filming. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. But the idea is you want to have your framing right. So that's one mm-hmm. thing, rule of thirds. The other thing is color correction. Ooh. Now, I happen to be an African-American black man. You are more Caucasian, um, fair skin, lighter skin, right? But if you're filming something, like right now, I think we both look really warm on camera. Right. Which makes the person, and warm, sorry, so let me go deeper with that. What does a warm look like? Warm is more red tone Mm -hmm. versus a blue tone. Sometimes you watch a scene and you feel like it's really like cold. You start to feel Mm -hmm. cold as the viewer. That's because they put a more bluer tone or Mm -hmm. bluer filter so that you feel that, right? That's another way to create emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's a visual, another visual thing is just making sure you have the right color. Right. Um, I think one more visual piece, like as a content creator that we've seen that's important is the words on the screen too, right? So making sure that it's not just words that cover the person's face. You want to make sure it it, it shows either on the right-hand side, left-hand side, lower part, but not covering the person's face because we as human beings, we connect with people. We want to see the visual reaction. Really quickly, I'll talk about something that I, I created, dramatic demonstration. So dramatic demonstration, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is we want to not just tell the story, but show the story. So like one right. of the moments that I talk about, there's five demonstrations, behind the scenes, live illustration, social proof, unique mechanism, and transformation. I won't go into all five right now, but what I'm thinking about is social proof. Mm-hmm. So we might have heard this term before in marketing. But the way I like to think about social proof is the visual cues, the visual responses that people give. So if someone's talking to you and they're laughing, film that. If someone's talking to you and they hold their heart, that says something, that communicates something. Mm -hmm. So the visual body language communicates um, social proof. It communicates what other people think about you or what other people have to say about you without saying it out of their mouth. So right. uh, when someone nods their head as you're talking, like if you speak from stage and someone's nodding their head as, a, as you're talking, that means they agree with you. But that's something you'd want to film, too, or you'd want your camera guy to film. So those are different like visual references as you're filming to think about. It's like, how are you framing the shot with the rule of thirds? Mm-hmm. Um, what words come across the screen and how they come across the screen? What does that even make you feel? But also just... When you're like John right now, he's listening to me talk and he's nodding his head. That's Making a great notes. moment to, to <laughs> capture, right? Like that's a great moment to capture to show like this person is paying attention and they agree with what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. different ways to, as a content creator, to think about getting content. Yeah. Um, even though I shoot documentaries, sometimes I'll film certain things on my phone. Let's just say this is this is between you and I, but let's say I don't get access to something and I want to use my cell phone to get the access and not a really huge camera to get into the room. Mm -hmm. I use my phone to just film the very key moments that I know will influence and impact an emotion out of the viewer. Right. You can do the same thing as a content creator is get your, get your phone or whatever you have into spaces that you normally wouldn't be able to get them into and record these special moments happening in life. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I definitely think it's better to have something than nothing. And so if all you got is your phone, just frame it nice. And most of the time you can use it. And yeah, be aware of whether, and when it comes to video for content creation, be aware of what platform you're doing it in as to which way you should hold that phone. And I'm a big fan of creating content in the app that you're creating it for, because there's a reason they made an app and they like to, see those features used yeah, yeah um man this has been a great conversation we've got into a lot about storytelling and all that a couple things i want to get into i want to ask something that i saw is your newsletter and last yeah. week we got into 
we got off in a tangent, but we came back into email marketing and being still valid today. And so when I saw your newsletter, it kind of, it spurred to me, I have to ask this since we were talking about it last week and we can get someone outside of our organization because that was kind of an internal podcast. We didn't have a guest on that episode. So I was like, I need to ask Jude today about his email list. And do you, do you see turnover from that? Do you see good conversion from that? Do you think email marketing is still a valid method in this highly video consumable society? Is email still valid today? Short answer is yes. Email is still valid today for one reason and one reason only. It's the only platform you own. Thank you. So social media, you do not own. You don't own even the followers that you have on that list, like the where nope. it says followers, you don't own that. Um, to me, that's been the most powerful thing. Now, I don't have a big list by any means, but that's been the most powerful thing. Uh, turnover. You asked me about turnover. Have I seen turnover? Absolutely. But here's the other caveat to that, that you have to understand about my newsletter, the way I run my email list. It's very curated. I do ah. not do the same thing that every other person does. So I will promote the newsletter at the end of this podcast. But when you go to it, what you first notice is you can't just put in your name and email address, which is what right. most people do. You have mm -hmm. to apply to be on my list. And what, yeah. I, what that means is, I've, I forget how many now, but let's just say there's five questions you have to answer ah. before you actually get on my list. And that doesn't mean you get on my list. Right. <laughs> I still have to approve Ooh. it. So it's a very curated list. And part of the reason I did that is because, to me, it's just never made sense that let's just, hypothetically, I have 100,000 people on my list, but I only get a 10 to 20% open rate. I want to influence yeah. how people interact with mm -hmm. the content that I put out there. So, um, so yeah, I curate who, who gets on my list and who doesn't. I also am very big on people taking action. It's not necessarily that I want to pitch you to buy something from me, but I do want right. to see you actually take action on something that I'm suggesting you do. Right. Last thing I'll say about that on like the application, it's not a one-way street where I'm just sending you information every week. It's a conversation. So if you reply to it, I reply back to you. And um, and that's just one of the biggest things to me is just like, is there real engagement? Is there a real conversation mm -hmm. happening here? So that's the first part. Application of it, you don't just get on the list. You got to apply to get on the list. Now, you asked me about engagement and like turnover. One of my emails in the, I have what's called an indoctrination sequence. So it's four emails. Okay. Uh, everyone gets the first, same four emails. The last email is called uh, Rules of Engagement, the four rules of engagement. And I tie it back to one of my favorite movies um, that I can't remember the name of now. But in it, the guy talks about like how uh, they're army guys, but they're getting ready to do something that's actually a crime. And they say, this mm -hmm. is the moment you can turn back now. But he says there's four rules. And then the last rule, he was like, you can turn back now. This is not for you. Just turn back. And so I say that in my newsletter, if this is not for you, I've kind of introduced you to this, mm -hmm. but if you don't engage, you're going to get unsubscribed. So I actually go right. in every once a month and mm -hmm. people that aren't engaged, they don't open the emails or they don't click on anything or yeah. whatever. They don't even reply. They get unsubscribed. So I do things very differently. That's that's why I wanted that's to get that definitely whole different. caveat. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to ask you about your newsletter yeah. as well, because I was as I was looking at it, I thought, this is different than any other newsletter I've ever seen. It it looks like you're actually joining something that's a community here, not just an email blast that people are trying to do to sell something, you know? Right. Because there was a long time there, especially in marketing, where I guess your end user wasn't really aware of what was going on. And yep. so there was a lot of tricks out there, and they were very successful they worked really well but a lot of those things are starting to go away now and right, email yeah. marketing was one of those tricks where you have a hundred thousand people on an email list but you get three responses then you don't have the right people on your email list exactly and the way you're curating yours is awesome i think that's great and i think that's kind of in vain with this other thing i saw which is a sample from your email list and it said 
Uh, one of the topics was how you're making 15 times more money now in 2023 with only three clients instead of the 21 clients you had back in 2010. And that spoke to me. One, I, I wanted to ask you about that so I can learn about that for my own self. <laughs> how'd you do that one? But yeah. it seems like it's kind of also spurred out of this whole concept of just being who you are and you're taking that and doing working with who you want to work with, with like-minded people. And I think that's what is probably pushing your success so that I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, No, it is. So I started the business at 17. And the first five years for me were really brutal. Um, what I mean by that is I struggled to make $20,000. So that 21 clients that I talk about, it mm -hmm. took me 21 clients to make $20,000 at that time. Right. Uh, but I remember... This was 2011, just about. And I had been working with this one client for about a year. Um, her name is Keisha Dior. And I remember getting a phone call from Keisha. Now, that morning, I woke up at 7 a.m. And I woke up to the sounds of chains hitting the ground. And it had always been a nightmare for me to hear these chains hitting the ground. Because when I jumped up out of bed, looked out the window, what it was was a tow truck driver coming to repossess my car for the second time in eight months. So I had heard this sound before of the chains. Right. I'm sitting on the edge of my bed. I uh, am thinking about, you know what? It's been five years. Let me call it quits. I've tried this video thing out. It's not really working. Mm -hmm. And in those 40 minutes that I'm sitting there in this soup of anxiety, I get a phone call from Keisha Dior. <laughs> and Keisha calls me in excitement. She's like, Jude, Jude, you won't believe it. You won't believe it. And I'm like, what happened, Keisha? And she said, I just got off the phone with my accountant, and he's told me we did it. We made a million dollars. I crossed over the seven-figure mark. So for context, Keisha had been building this business, cosmetic business, mm -hmm. uh, called KOR Cosmetics. And she had been building it for a year, and she made $1 million. I had did the documentary showing the behind the scenes of her building this company. But I only got paid $3,000. And in that moment, I realized, okay, I could call it quits or mm -hmm. I could look at it as a different way that here's the blueprint. Yeah, here's yeah. a client who has had success from something you've created, mm -hmm. but why? Why did it work? And so I started working backwards to look at why did this work? What, did, what made, what made like one of the comments that people, see, she promoted this on Twitter at the time, only Twitter and YouTube. And one of the comments somebody made was like, they cried watching it. And I was just like, why? What was it? And in doing so, what I learned is what Keisha did really well, or what I helped Keisha do really well, is to just tell her story. This wasn't about wearing lipstick, mm -hmm. which at the time it was blue, purple, green lipstick, which weren't popular. It wasn't about that. It was about women empowerment, and that's what we focused on. All right. So why did I tell you that long, drawn-out story? It's because that is the same way I have ever since that moment, that's the same way I've gone about in my business. One, in telling stories about who I am in a deeper way, but two, curating and making this bigger than just storytelling or video production. What I talk a lot about is leadership and mindset and just being who you are, being authentic, because those are the things that are gonna come across on camera or mm -hmm. through my email newsletter that will help people have a deeper relationship with you, a deeper connection. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, how I've gone from my current business models, I only work with five clients a year, five production clients. I'll do more consulting, but five production clients. And I, I get to say yes or no to the client that I work with. Right. It's not just because you come to me and you say you want to work with me that, mm -hmm. and because you have money. It's not any of those things. It's mm -hmm. your core values and who you are. And if we're not the right fit, I will tell you, hey, we're not the right fit. Maybe here's two or three other people that will be a better mm -hmm. fit, or maybe you can find out if they are. Right. But for who we are, what we do, how we like to do things, you're just not going to be the right fit for what we're looking for. I think it's so important that you're saying that on this podcast, because I think it's real business owners have to see that you started a business for a reason. Andrew and I were talking about this the other day because I, I got myself in a stressful situation because I agreed to do something faster than our normal timeline. I should not have agreed to do that. <laughs> it, I can't guarantee the quality in that time. Yeah. And it was a big headache and a, and and a I've lesson done it, learned. So I've done it before. 
Same thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's part of the reason why I curate the clients I work with now. Mm-hmm. You learn from the mistakes you make, right? Yep. But you also realize you can build the business that you want to build. Mm-hmm. And you are the expert in what you're doing. So you have a timeline that you normally follow. And yes, some clients will come in and say, hey, no, can we do this faster? And because you want to make clients happy, you may mm-hmm. say yes, but then you get burned in the end. Right. And so I like to tell my clients, hey, look, I get it. You might want it faster. Or you might have this deadline, but mm-hmm. I've kind of been doing this a long time. I, can, I know what it takes to get us to the finish line, to get us to success. Right. And success that you're going to be happy with, that I'm going to be happy with. Mm-hmm. Trust me in making this happen. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that yeah, that's very important. No matter the industry and who, whatever you're doing, whatever your business is out there, I think you want to take that away from this episode that you, you've got to just be authentic and you've got to find people to work with that are like-minded, people that you enjoy being around. Why, why do you want to go to work every day and have a bad day? Especially if you're an entrepreneur, you've created this world, so fix it if it's wrong, you know? I think that's awesome. Um, I read on your website that you've made a choice not to do quotes for clients. And now, just yeah. kind of being in a similar background, I kind of <laughs> understand where you're coming from, but to yeah. our other business out there and other industries that might be listening, why would a business not want to do quotes that seems counterproductive maybe uh it starts our conversation in the wrong direction if if i do a quote because you're only looking at me based on the amount of money that you'll probably have to invest in working together man uh and to me that's just not the way i want to start the conversation i want to start the conversation based on value based on what you need and if we're the right fit if you're only looking at me from a financial perspective we're not the right fit to begin with and so it's another way for me to curate right and wrong clients. Right. Um, and so let's give context to all of this because I'm, I'm really big on context and not just like... Absolutely. Because it may not work for another company. No. It what might I do work. is that I do a road mapping strategy session. Now, okay. that is something you have to pay for. I started this in 2014 maybe and you had to pay $500 for it. And that was just to test it out to see if people would pay for it because I really didn't believe right. people would pay for it. But I yeah. saw the design, the uh, web web design industry doing it. They would do these mockups, and they would mm-hmm. charge. They were charging like ten thousand dollars, and it was just like, mm-hmm. "Will people do this in video production?" I don't know. Anyway, I, I charged five hundred. Today, I charge seventeen thousand for it. But that is the right. first moment that we work together is in road mapping. That is where it literally is. That we map out the project before mm-hmm. I ever press record, we're, we're sitting together for six to eight hours to go through your core values, your philosophies and beliefs, your core stories that you actually have. We're going to mm-hmm. talk through your marketing and like, I don't do the marketing part, but I want to understand mm-hmm. where's this video, this docuseries that we create, how is it going to fit into your marketing? Right. Um, Who's gonna we be map that all out. Too. Right. And, yeah. Right. Where are people going to be watching it and how they're yeah. going to watch it? We map that all out, including the last thing, the storyboard. Um, Mm-hmm. envisioning how we want to capture these moments. That entire thing is to give you a plan. And even if you decide not to work with Jew Charles and company, that you can take that to another video team and mm-hmm. say, hey, we've already thought through this. We know where we want to go. We know what the story is. And so that's mm-hmm. the first interaction is road mapping. Yeah. I strongly believe if you're a creative entrepreneur, you should be doing some form of road mapping. Um, even if you're charging $100 for it. Mm-hmm. But it changes the conversation from you're an ex from just hypothetically, we charge $10,000 to do a video mm-hmm. project to no, we really like to think strategically about the way we do projects right. and make sure that I, you're going to reach success. Because well, sometimes takes- clients just aren't ready to, to do mm-hmm. a video project. And so you're right. not wasting yeah. time, you know, yeah. trying to get this first check from the client to do a video project mm-hmm. and they're not even ready. Right. And right. so that's, that's the context behind it. Why I don't do quotes. Every project mm-hmm. is different too. Right. Some oh, clients yeah. may need something different and I don't want to just throw out a ballpark for you to say, Hey, yeah, it's going to cost X, but I don't well, really have especially when you get into location shoots, that could be sky's the limit on that, you know? Yep. <laughs> so yep. Yeah, I think it's really important that definitely in the creative industry, because there is so much interpretation to our work, it's important Mm -hmm. to line out up front, 
hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what you're expecting of me. Because a lot of times just saying the terms down, especially for someone that doesn't understand industry terms, they may agree to something that they don't realize they agreed to. And you're telling them, well, you, you agreed to have it in 16.9. So that's what it's in. I didn't know you wanted it in 4.3. That's not going to happen now, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right, right. But, yeah. but now, I mean, we do maybe not 16.9, but nine by 16. Maybe that's right. what you need. Right. Mm-hmm. And we didn't go through that in the beginning and you're kind of throwing it on me last minute. Like, Hey, we need this for social. Yeah. Well, uh, luckily we worked on that in the beginning to understand right. you're going to need something yeah. for social so we can create that for social and i, I think um, it's important yeah. here to bring up just real quick that talking about what you're creating for that framing that we were talking about earlier that's why that matters because you need to make sure that it's going to fit in the frame that people will be viewing it in not yep. to cut you off but i think it's important to note that here no it is important it's important to just know what you're getting yourself into both sides yes both regardless sides of what it is in life honestly it's it's important to know what you're doing regardless <laughs> right and so i think uh that's why for me i don't give out quotes it, it mm. won't happen i won't give out ballpark figures if that's the only way that if that's the only determining factor for you working with me we're not the right fit right and that's yeah, it and that's why i make it visible on my website like hey you're gonna try to contact me and you're probably gonna ask for a quote mm-hmm. i'm not gonna give you one i just want to make sure that's up front i'm not gonna right. give you one but if you'd still like to work together because you realize there's all these other things that you see on my website that will m- possibly make us the right fit, then let's have that conversation. Let's have that first conversation is to, so I can walk you through what my mm-hmm. process is like, but it's not going to be a quote. You're not just yeah. going to, if you're looking for a quote, looking for bids, mm-hmm. I just don't do that. I've chosen in my business not to do that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. And that's what I love about being an entrepreneur and owning a small business is that you can make those choices. You can yep. make those calls. Uh, you know, you work for Coca-Cola, you're going to have to go through probably 10 boards and four different <laughs> CE somethings, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. 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 Every business gets, you get to make that choice. I, 17 years, I made a lot of mistakes the first five years. And like I told you, I struggled to make money. But mm-hmm. after that, it was like, okay, wait, I, I get to make a choice here because the only difference between Keisha Dior, who was a client that made $1 million, and me mm-hmm. at the time was just the way she ran her business. Man. That's it. Can, and, can and you say that course, one more time for the, the people in the back? I'm the, the people only, in the back. The only difference was the way she ran her business. And that included marketing because she promoted her story, not just the product. Right. Right. And I had to learn I was the one in my own way of my business. And if I'm in the way, I need to get out of the way. All the yep. preconceived notions that I had about running a business, I needed to get out of that mindset, get out of that way in order to run a successful, profitable business. Mm-hmm. And so all these things that you're seeing that you're talking about, the email newsletter, road mapping, mm-hmm. um, working with only five clients a year, that's a choice it's a choice for a whole nother reason too, because I take two months off every year. Right. I happen to be, you may not, it may not make sense, but like I happen to be an introvert Mm -hmm. and most people don't believe that because I do public speaking, but it's like, I need, I need my downtime. Yeah. And I noticed that a a long time ago. And so I built it into the business. Yeah. It makes me better for the client when Mm -hmm. I can take those two months off and produce these projects the way that I'm producing them. They're very high-level projects. Right. We could spend anywhere from six months to a year working together. But that downtime is what I need in order to make these mm-hmm. projects successful. Um, so I built it into the business. Yeah. You know, we were filming a podcast. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but something was said in there that I kind of resonated with me and I've been saying to clients and I've heard it pop up in several different podcasts over the course since that happened. And it was, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first on the airplane before you assist anyone else. And so I think it's really important that you're bringing that. This has been, I was focused on storytelling, but you have given me a full well-rounded business chat and I appreciate it. But one of the things that, you know, you got to put, the mask on yourself before you can help anybody else. If you're drowning in your work, you're not going to be the best that you are. 
And you're going to have that churn from the client that ultimately doesn't go the way that it should have. And you'll know that, but they won't because the only experience that client has had with you is that bad experience from when you were burnt out. And so it's very important, even as an entrepreneur, yes, we got to pay the bills, but structure it. You can set it up how you want to set it up. You can take two months off a year. I think that's wonderful. I'm working towards getting there myself. Uh, I've only got about one right now, but I'm looking at two. <laughs> so, and one, I'm kind of. You got to do what you. So the other part of, of all of this is you got to do what you need, right? Yes. One may be enough for you. Mm-hmm. I happen to take two because I've just realized two is what I need in order to truly feel mm-hmm. like I've, you know, that I'm not getting to a place of burnout. Right. So for context, I used to do November, December, mm-hmm. and it would take me all of November just to decompress and come off right. of like what I was feeling. So now I do June and December mm-hmm. because I realized what I was doing was racing to the end of the year. And then yep. that's why I was feeling so burnt out. So now right. I take that break in the middle of the year mm-hmm. and I take that break in the end of the year. Um, but you got to do what you need. We talked about what the growth hack mm-hmm. will be for this episode already. Yep, let's get it. The growth hack it. is you. Yep. So you get to choose how you run your business. That's part A, but I think the other part is you should be telling your story about you. Mm-hmm. That is the thing that is unique that people are going to connect to. So first take care of yourself, absolutely, and yep. make a choice on how you run your business. Mm-hmm. But also share stories about who you are. Who are you beyond being an entrepreneur? Who are mm-hmm. you as a spouse at home if you are mm-hmm. a spouse? Who are you as a father or mother? Mm-hmm. Who are you as a friend? Right? I am um, in 2014, my father passed away. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that I, I got to take time off. Right. But I'll never forget, I emailed my clients. And I told, and I have clients that are all over, so like all over the U.S. And I emailed them, and I remember saying, "Look, my father just passed away. It's unexpected. We're gonna. I'm taking the next two weeks off. Sorry, pretty much. But I'll never forget. I had a client who immediately called me, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What are you doing? Where are you?" And I told him I was home. He showed up at my house, took me to lunch, and took the rest of the day off. Mm-hmm. That teaches me or shows me who he is as a friend, as yeah. a human being, beyond just being a client, mm-hmm. right? And so who are you as a person, as a human being? What stories can you tell, mm-hmm. right? Now, I don't know that he necessarily shares that story, but that's a story I now get to share about the kind of people I want to work with, mm-hmm. right? Is I want to, people who are human beings, this is not a transaction, Mm-mm. Yes, there will be money that will be exchanged, but this is a relationship. This is transformational. Mm-hmm. And to that point, if we ever get to a point where this is only transactional and that's all you talk about, like I used to have right. a client who reminded me every time I saw them, they reminded me how much they paid me. And I just had to have a real conversation. Hey, we're past that. Yeah. And if you're not, we're just no longer yeah. the right fit to work together. Yeah, that's a great way to put that. And so... Again, I think the growth hack, I just want to make sure people get it. And that's why mm-hmm. I want to keep repeating it. You are the growth hack. Absolutely. I love your approach. You know, we're more than dollar signs. We're people. I think it's really important to remember that in marketing. Because, yeah, we're talking about making money here and we're going to make money here. Yeah, absolutely. But we all got to make money to survive. But we can still be good to each other. And we can still be human. And that's one thing that we first started talking about on this podcast when we first launched it is don't be afraid to be human. Mm-hmm. You know, failure is not always fatal. And so <laughs> you're going you're gonna to pick yourself up and people are going to love the story about how yeah. you did it. You know why? Because we love the underdog and yep. we love to see a winner. And the underdogs are a winner. Whether you feel like it or not, you are. (laughs) So if you're down there in the trenches and you're hearing the chains rattling on the sidewalk, worried that it's your car getting repoed today, I'm going to tell you, listen to me and Charles here. Jude Charles, sorry. I read it on the paper and then said it wrong. (laughs) Listen to me and Jude here, man. You're going to find a way out of it and it's yep. it's going to get better for you. So thank you so much for this conversation, Jude. I, I really appreciate the value that you've brought today. I really do. Even in just the way that I'm going to tell stories moving forward, you've even influenced it there. And I want to make sure that I told you that. 
Um, I saw that you have a book, Dramatic Demonstration. You kind of went into a little bit of that (laughs) earlier. Can you tell us a little bit more about the book and where we can get a copy of it? Yeah, so the book, Dramatic Demonstration, teaches you how to go deep in telling your stories, how to find those compelling stories to tell, Mm. and then how to attract premium clients. So I believe as an entrepreneur, especially a creative entrepreneur, you should be attracting premium clients. Premium goes beyond just money. It's about the quality of the relationship. I talk about that in the book, how you go, how you go about doing it. Um, and I give three uh, case studies, pretty much. Three different clients, mm-hmm. three different entrepreneurs who went about this same process of going through their core values, their philosophies and beliefs, and then how they brought that to life through video. Mm-hmm. Um, dramatic demonstration, how to attract premium clients. Uh, you can find that on judecharles.co. Mm-hmm. So that is my website. That's where you can find the book. And the newsletter that John talked about earlier, the Dramatic Leverage newsletter, mm-hmm. which is different, it talks about the business side of storytelling. Right. So it's not just telling your story or, or how to craft it, but like, how do you make money from this? Right. And how do you build genuine relationships from this? How do you continue to show up authentically in your business? Mm-hmm. I walk you through the behind the scenes of how I do it in my business. I talked a little bit about that today. I go in much more detail. I talk about my burnout that I had in 2020, what I had to shift in my business after mm-hmm. that. And then I, I give the behind the scenes of my clients' stories as well, but a lot more detail, a lot more that's happening there. Dramatic Leverage Newsletter and then the Dramatic Demonstration book. Uh, I highly recommend those two. They go hand in hand mm-hmm. in showing you how to continue to grow your business to the next level. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for being a guest today. I really appreciate the value that you've brought to our listeners and myself. Is there anywhere else people can reach you out there? LinkedIn, Facebook? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm on I'm on all social platforms. You just look at Jude Charles. I'm probably mm-hmm. most active on Instagram just because it's a vis- more visual platform. I agree. That's video <laughs> guys, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Jude Charles on all platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm not on TikTok, though. But uh, you can find me on those platforms. Um, but the, yeah. the place where I interact most that I have conversations back and forth and continue to go deep with uh, people who want to learn more about this is the Dramatic Leverage Newsletter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a great way. I I would definitely recommend if, if something that Jude has said today has resonated with you, I think that that newsletter could be another hack in there you know you should go get the newsletter that's the hack well thank (laughs) you so much jude i appreciate your time so much today and if there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners before we get out of here you are the value work on you and continue to show up as you and watch your business explode i love it i love it All right. Well, this is another episode of Business Growth Hacks. Thank you so much, Small Business Nation, for tuning in every single week. Make sure you go online and check out the new post in our Small Business Nation community. There is always new tips, tricks, and going to be some more stories coming in there after this conversation with Jude. So y'all have a great day out there, Business Nation. Get out there and you can do it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.